the first thing I wanted to do is um, to say thank you. As we are upon the week of Thanksgiving, we are, as missionaries, we are blessed and thankful to know that um, Milford Bible is on our team. You are partnering with us to reach the precious people of Spain, and um, you've been faithfully serving, uh, serving with us for, I believe this is like our anniversary year, it's like about 20 years. So what a joy it is for us to know that you've been faithfully praying for us and supporting us to allow us the privilege of serving the Lord in, um, in Spain. So I kind of wanted to, to do a couple things with you. I don't know if the guys in the back are, are ready or not there. There they are. And I kind of just want to quickly share in slides, the pictures are worth a thousand words. So share it quick, quickly, then give you the challenge from God's word of how God has blessed us, even in the midst of the COVID, God has, has blessed us mightily. Of course, we're the Hudaks, we're with ABWE, and the name of our church is Torre Fuerte, which simply means strong tower. Let's see. There we go. Oops. And we have three beautiful children that flash by you. Candace is a nurse in North Carolina. Our son Cody is a policeman in Ohio. And our son Cal is a college student in, um, in Greensboro. We live in, um, let's say, 25 minutes southeast of Madrid. And we live in a town called Bialbia. But our church is in a town called Torres de la Alameda. And this is kind of a picture of a storefront, picture of our, our church building. Around us, above us, there's apartments. On the side, there's businesses. And um, God has blessed us with, with this facility and is now ours. So we praise the Lord for, for his, his provision. We kind of took a picture of all of our, so we've been missionaries since July of 1999. So, so 21 years with ABWE. You guys have been faithfully supporting us, I say about 20, but we've been on the field this January will be 18 years. Previous were in raising support in, in language school. So we took kind of a picture of all of our prayer cards, which we have in, we'll have in the back there as long as magnets for you, of what we look like through the years. I started with hair, and now, as I really noticed this morning with the coldness, don't have any. I used to always say that the reason that I started losing hair is for working with teenagers. And then the reason it's gray is for learning Spanish. This past furlough, this past term has been about growth. How God, uh, God has blessed, blessed with the ministry and, and fruit he's given us, which is also your fruit. But how has God been blessing this past season? One of the ways that God has blessed is by giving us some um, new teammates. Our old teammates, Roy and Nancy Jones, have retired this past June. So God has given us new team, teammates in in the Haig family, Christy and Caleb Haig. Other growth that God has given us is spiritually. We had, a, if you remember, if you remember from last time we were here, we talked about a fellow named David or David. He came to our church with his wife, Luth, and um, David was an atheist. And he right out front told you he was an atheist. He wasn't shy at all about it. And he um, shared that with us. And he, he said the only reason he's coming is for his wife. So his wife told him that she will come if he comes, so they both started joining, and within no time, David trusted in the Lord as his personal Savior, and, and he was baptized. The fellow on the, on the right, his name is Alex, and Alex um, came to church a little bit differently. He came to, to our church thinking he was a believer. I used to always say he knew enough to be dangerous with his beliefs, but he um, 
came, realized that he was a sinner, realized he needed Christ as a personal savior, trusted in Christ as a savior. And he was the first person that we baptized inside our, our building. And on the others, we had to go to a river or rent a facility. So we're thankful for, for that growth that the Lord get, gave us. Oops. We're jumping all around. There we go. Other growth God gave us is through various ministries. God blessed in a lot of ways through, through um, youth work. We started a youth group. We started um, Awana for, for the, the kids' ministries. We um, started doing camps. We've been doing English camps, um, vacation Bible school, basketball camps. So God blessed in, in many ways. Jody did um, cooking classes. So we're thankful that we were able to see growth in each, each one of those um, different areas of ministry. But probably one of the biggest areas of growth that God gave us this past term was in our, our area of basketball. We, um, about, about four years ago now, I guess, we started doing basketball in our town. And we, we were given permission to rent our facility. We went in there. And the first year, I'm thinking, please, Lord, please give us 10 to 20 kids so we don't look like a bunch, bunch of losers here. God bless us with over 50 kids our first year. So we praise the Lord for that. And at the same time our camp was going on, as we looked out the window, there was a soccer camp. And the soccer camp, if you know anything about Spain, soccer is God so, to them. So, so they had maybe 20 kids in their camp. So we praise the Lord for his blessing. The next year we did it again. We had 80 kids. We had to put a cap on it. We said we, we couldn't, couldn't handle any more. Following year we did it. And um, God blessed again. Within a week and a half, we had 80 kids, so we stopped it, and we put it, had 25 on the waiting list. So God blessed in so many ways with, with, throughout the camp. God also blessed in our church. We were, where church was growing, we were in the low 40s, and then COVID hit. And I know that I was talking, I know, talking to, to Tim there, that people are slow to come back. And we probably, in the, in the in the 20s now, as people are, there's a lot of fear going on in Spain, and um, people are slow to return. But, but God has been blessing. And he, so even in the midst of the COVID, we've seen great blessing. From day one as a missionary, I wanted to instill the importance of missions in our um, church's, church family. So we talked about missions. In this past term, we were able to take on two missionaries. We took on, as a church, we took on a couple from, from Italy, as well as a couple from Spain. So we're thankful to see our church growing in different ways and working towards becoming a, an independent church. So praise, praise the Lord for that. I know here, you guys in Milford don't have any problems. You guys, perfect church, right? <laughs> Here's some, perhaps some problems that other people have. Now, we don't have all these problems in Spain either, but some of these we faced, specifically the last two with a lack of space and um, the, the, the COVID, which, which, hit, which hit pretty hard. There we go. And, and as I stand here today, as it may sound strange, we're able to see, and I, I don't know if I can say I'm thankful for COVID, but it, we, the results that came out of it were, were blessings. So even in the midst of that, God blessed and is blessing our church because the COVID moved us, pushed us to be more proactive in a lot of areas, to grow, to learn. A lot of learning took place. Social media, we had very little social media presence before, before COVID. But because of COVID, we were forced to, to, to create um, Facebook pages, to create um, our, get our sermons recorded, to put them online on Facebook, to, on YouTube. So we really grew in a lot, lot of areas which, which, which we needed to do, but the COVID, the virus forced us to grow. So I just want to praise the Lord for that. God also moved us to be able to get out in the community more, to be able to actually get to know people, 
even in the midst of social distancing and um, the virus in lockdown, we're able to meet new people. So says, praise the Lord for that. People were losing jobs. Fear was everywhere, especially at the beginning. And if you, if you're, if you're, if you aren't going to work, what's going to happen quickly? No money's coming in, you're going to go hungry. So we knew, especially in our town, a lot of people were going hungry. So we actually made up some food bags, handed out Bibles, and, we, and people were having trouble getting masks, especially at the beginning. So we, um, we took masks, wrapped them around the Bible, put them in the bags, and we were able to hand them out to different people in our community. We also heard at the same time, especially at the beginning, that the policemen were having trouble getting masks. We're thinking, who, who, who needs a mask more than a guy that's on the front line? So we made, had someone, a friend made up 100 masks. We gave them to the policemen. Since we were in lockdown, the policemen came to our house. We gave them a Bible. So in a lot of ways, we were able to reach out and meet new people that we never would have been able to do if it wasn't for the virus. So we thank the Lord for his, his, his blessing in, in that area. Also, we were able to, we, had, we met a new friend in, um, in, in, as a result of the virus, Mr. Zoom. If you guys are doing Zoom or have done Zoom, we've been doing a lot of Zoom, still doing, still doing Zoom. We do, our, we do all of our prayer meetings Thursday nights on Zoom. So we're just, we're just thankful that we're able to learn how, how to operate that and to still minister even in the midst of the, of the, the lockdown. We did our, um, Chris did our, started with our Sunday services. We did our, um, all of our, we did our team meetings on Zoom. We did uh, Bible studies, women's, men's, prayer breakfast, breakfasts, uh, did, did um, our Easter egg hunt. And um, so a lot of cool things that we did as a result of um, learning how, how to go, on, go online. Jody did um, a, a ladies' Mother's Day, Mother's Day event. So a lot of cool things happened as a result of this. And as a result of the virus in the present, we realized changes that we needed to place to, to make because of our facilities were small. And, it, and the need to have, create social distancing was um, ever-present. Our facility is basically had 200 square meters, which was divided by, by in the center by a wall. So it was always my dream to get rid of that wall so we can create a more multi-purpose area. Well, that, that dream became a reality, or reality as a result of the, um, the, the virus. We took down our wall and um, left the pillars up, created a back nursery we can use. And also we purchased walls, movable walls that, that we're still waiting to put up. But a lot of things, but this allowed us to be able to have more people come to our, to our morning services. So we I just want to praise the Lord for that. We started going live, live streaming um, all of our sermons before we, before we got in, back to our, or into our building as well as in our facility, which we're still recording all of our sermons today. So a lot of growth that is taking place. But this present growth, the whole time we were doing it, we kept wondering, are all these changes, is that going to be our new normal? Or what is our new normal going to look like? I know here, if, you go, if you're thirsty or you're hungry, you want to go to a machine, put your money in there, hit a button, hit the button, out it comes a Coke. Hit, hit another button, you can get a candy bar. In Spain, you can put your money in, hit a button, out comes a mask. Hit another button, out comes gloves. Another one, out comes hand sanitizers. So what is the new normal going to look like? Perhaps you've asked the same question. Ways you can pray for future. How, how are we changing? Pray that we can get our movable walls up at our church soon. Pray for a national pastor. As a missionary, my job is to work myself out of a job. I didn't go there to be a pastor. If I want to be a pastor, I could have stayed here in the States. But pray that we get a national pastor. We have three of our works need national pastors. Pray that, that ultimately our church can become, can become 
an independent church. This last month, we celebrated our seventh year anniversary as a, as a new church plant. And um, what, what, this past term also, another thing that happened in, in my responsibilities as a missionary, I became team leader. So I've been the team leader a little over two years now. And um, my responsibilities are, are carrying over, we have, well, presently now we have 12 missionary units, which means 22 adults, 10 children. And we have six church plants and three seminary partnerships that I responsible to be, to be over. What, but you may, here you may ask, what are, the, what are the things do missionaries do? Besides being uh, the pastor, lead, lead missionary over our church, I'm also the camp director. I'm responsible for member care. Even missionaries have problems. So I'm responsible for mediating and solving problems, guiding the team in their vision, directing continuing education. And I'm the go-between between ABWE in Pennsylvania, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania, and, and I'm Spain on the field. Acts 17, 27 says, God has done all this so that you can look for him and reach out and find him. He isn't far from any one of us. So I just want to share that with you this morning, that truth that um, God's here. And he's blessed in so many ways, even in the COVID. So I just want to thank, thank the Lord for that. How, how can you pray for us? God has been blessing even in our su- support as of now. Our support, God has really been bringing that in. Our support is down to, to 718 a month. So we praise the Lord for that. We have a church tonight in um, North Carolina that is voting for us. So I ask that you pray for that. Pray for our church needs. That we need to put the walls up. Pray for a pastor. Pray for wisdom for me as I juggle my responsibilities. I have to wear different hats. And I don't want to just do my job, but I want to do, do each responsibility well. So please pray for that. And um, pray for wisdom, strength as we travel around. We have 26 churches and 21 individuals that make up our support team. So pray as we travel and, and connect with, with those people in churches that um, God will give us safety. And pray, pray for our children that um, God would protect, protect them as well. And I think that gets me to the end, I believe. Okay. Well, good. And that brings us to here this morning. As we travel around, we came up from Greensboro, North Carolina last night, and we arrived, and um, Tim graciously let us stay with, stay with them. So we are thankful to be, be here this morning. Lord willing, we'll be back in Spain on the end, at the end of February. So tr- pray that God would provide our support so we, we, can, we can get back. We, we long to get back. Heard a story of a woman that went to, to court, and she told the, the judge, she says, she wanted a, a divorce. The judge says, do you have any grounds? The lady replied, just two acres. The judge says, that's not it, lady. I mean, do you have a grudge? She says, no. We parked the car in front of the house. The judge is beside himself at this point. He's becoming frustrated. And he says, lady, does your husband beat you up? The lady says, no. I get up before him every morning. (laughs) Judge now, not knowing what to say, says, then why, why do you want a divorce? She says, because we just don't seem to be able to communicate. (laughs) Some of you are getting it. Why? 
The why question is pretty big, isn't it? It's pretty important. If you're here this morning and you're parents, you know that you do not have to, have to teach your children the why question. They learn it pretty quick, don't they? Why do I have to do this? Why do I have to do that? Especially teenagers, no? Why do I have to take out the trash? But not only do children want to ask the why question, we as adults, we want to know why. Why, do we, why are we doing what we're doing? Missionaries want to know why. We want to know why behind our actions. The why is what motivates us. What, what motivates you here this morning? Finding our why moves us to action. In the Bible, why did a group of fishermen leave their jobs, leave their lifestyles to follow Jesus? Why? Why did men give their lives to serve Jesus? Even though they were crucified, stoned, stabbed, skinned, dragged, burned, every apostle of Jesus proclaimed his resurrection until their dying breath. Why? You know why? Jesus was their why. He was their motivation. And their, the, the disciples, their love for Jesus flowed out of everything that they did. And I believe they truly understood who Jesus was. How about us here this morning? This morning I want to suggest to you three reasons why, or three reasons why that we need to be passionate about Christ. Turn the book of Acts, Acts 1, perhaps you're already there, Acts 1, 6 through 8. And Mark already read that, but Acts 1, 6 through 8. The setting of these verses take place at the Mount of Olives, located just outside of Jerusalem. Key theme of this, of this book in Acts is the expansion of the church in the world. And the key verse is Acts 1, 8. The author, of course, is Luke, well, Dr. Luke. And if you catch nothing out of what I say this morning, just catch this one thing, that Christ's heart beats for all mankind. Christ's heart beats for all mankind. As believers, he's our why. He's the reason we do what we do as believers. He's our motivation, and he's where our passion here this morning needs to come from. And since our Heavenly Father has a heartbeat, for all mankind, I want to challenge you this morning. You as well, I as well, need in turn, need to have a heart that beats for the lost as well. The first reason we need to be passionate is the promise of the power. I'd mentioned just, just a few moments ago about, about how God had been blessing in our basketball camps. And we did a couple of years and things were going well. We're getting ready to do our third year in our camps. And we had a group from... Let's see, it was one from Ohio was going to come and one from North Carolina. And a group from Ohio was going to lead the camp and a group from North Carolina was going to come and assist and help. So we were getting ready. I had all the permissions set up. We had the facility secured. And I got an email just, just two months before the camp from, from the church in Ohio saying that a problem occurred and they, ne- they could not come. I go, oops. I go, uh-oh. Stress level rising up here, starting to sweat a little bit. What am I going to do? What am I going to do? Close to panic. 
So I decided to call, I have a friend from Ohio that, that had come the previous year and he'd helped in our camps. So I called him and said, Mark, can you help us? You have a lot of contacts. Do you know of anybody that can come in such a short time and help us out in our camps? So he says, he'll send an email, email out to all his contacts and see, let's see what happens. He'll, he'll pray about it. So a week went by, then I got an email from him saying that he has several of his people interested and they want to come, but he said he himself said he pro- promised me that he would be there. Whew. What a relief. Knowing that my friend Mark was coming, I knew that I need not worry. His promise gave me security. Acts 1, 6 8 speaks of another promise that we have from God about the power of the Holy Spirit that will come. As verse 8 says, but ye shall receive power. And this promise is much greater than what my friend could ever give me. This should give us security, should give us passion, and it gives us confidence as we seek to reach out to the lost. But the the first thing we need to be passionate about is the promise of God's power. And think about here this morning, we as believers get to be part of something great. We get to take the gospel, the good news, and share it to the lost to help people, snatch people out of darkness to light. God allows us believers that blessing to serve him and to to share his good news, the gospel. What greater thing can you think of than to be able to be someone that gets to, 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 to witness, to share the good news? Put us in a little context of what's going on here. We can see here, the first thing we can see here in the midst of the power of his promise is the preoccupation of his disciples. Verse 6 says, they asked, asked of him, or they were asking him. In, other, in Greek, this word is, is, this verb is in imperfect tense, which speaks of an action that has happened in the past that is carrying on in the present. Apparently, disciples have been preoccupied greatly about when, when Jesus was going to come, when he was going to set up his kingdom. And apparently, they'd asked him many times, is this finally the time? They were obviously worried about this. Even though they had many questions, other questions, this was probably their main concern, is finally, Lord, is this, is this the time? But Jesus' announcement of the Spirit's coming makes them think that the restoration has finally come for Israel. But the coming of the Spirit does not mean the completion of the kingdom promise. It, Jesus simply clarified the calendar for the disciples who still needed instruction about God's plan. Jesus does not answer, answer the question in verse 6, but he tells them, hey, don't worry about this now, or don't worry about the future thing now, but what you need to do is to be concerned about what I'm going to tell you in verse 8. What, what, what is your mission? So Jesus simply gives them their mission. They're focused more internally rather than thinking on the big picture. So that was their preoccupation. But what is the, what is the power of the Holy Spirit anyway? We got back in the States on July 20th. And if you know anything about, we flew into Newark, New Jersey, and then we drove to New York where we had our very first meeting. And we were going to stay, we were going to endure a two-week quarantine. Woo-hoo. We just come off of 100 days of quarantine in Spain, and we get to come, come back to more quarantine in New York. So we, Jody's church in New York was very gracious. They set up a mission house, 
And we stayed there for two weeks. And I'm thinking, yes, another quarantine. What can be worse, I'm thinking, than a quarantine? Should not have asked that question. You know what's worse than being in a quarantine for two weeks? Is being in a quarantine for two weeks without power. Thankfully, it wasn't the whole two weeks, but for three straight days, we, we were without power. Jody and I were, survived. We had our younger son with us. And if you know anything about the, the younger generation, what do they like to do? Play computers and get on their phones with their gadgets. And something that's kind of difficult to do without power. This quickly reminded us of the importance of power. Power is pretty important, isn't it? We could, being in quarantine, we could not slip out to Walmart while the power was shut off. We had to sit there and just wait. Well, here in Acts, Acts 1 here, it speaks of a different type of power that is even more essential for us as believers, and that is the power of the Holy Spirit, especially in the area of our witness. Acts 1 say, 1a says, but ye shall receive power. Notice that the coming of the Holy Spirit is linked to power and witness. The book of Acts is about witness. Don't have time to share with you all, all the different passages, but from chapter 1 all the way to chapter 26 speaks of verses about the power. The church has been given her assignment, and it's to be witnesses of the gospel of Jesus Christ. The the apostles were witnesses of Jesus' life and teaching, and now they were to be witnesses about his life and teaching. Effective witness only occurs by means of the Spirit's power. The Greek word for power here is dunamin, and it has the idea of to enable. The power of the Holy Spirit was going to enable them to grapple the difficult task of sharing the good news of the Great Commission that they, was about to, they were about to embark. The Holy Spirit will give them power when he comes. And without the power of the Holy Spirit, they're going to be weak and ineffective. Now, I want to remind us here this morning, without the power of the Holy Spirit, you and I as well in our witnessing are weak and ineffective. His power is absolutely necessary in our lives for us to bear fruit in our ministries. Charles Spurgeon said this, he says, without the Spirit of God, we can do nothing. We are ships without the wind, branches without sap, and like cools without fire, we are useless. So here's the main point I think, I think Jesus and, and Luke are teaching us here. It says that special power is essential for accomplishing God's global task. And the reason I say power is essential because both here, here in Acts 1 and Luke 24 Luke, Luke teaches us of the importance that first the power will come and then they were to be witnesses. So the power was extremely important. Up until the day of Pentecost, the Holy Spirit's minister was different. The Holy Spirit would come upon them and enable them to do an extraordinary task and then they did the task and then the Spirit would leave. But now you and I here today upon Pentecost, despite after Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit came, the Holy Spirit now indwells us as believers, and we, now we have constant access, 24-7 access to the power of the Holy Spirit to enable us to grapple 
the challenge to be effective witnesses in the world. The Holy Spirit, I think, is given to us primarily to, for us to proclaim the gospel. The filling of the Spirit leads us this morning to proclamation. And if we're going to be able to persuade men, then we must be Spirit-filled in our witnessing. Matthew 28, 19 through 20, Jesus emphasizes his power and authority in this passage. And notice how he phrases his word. He says, all, theory has been given, all authority has been given to me, therefore you go. The implication is clear that as we go with his message, we have his power. And Jesus in Acts, here in Acts 1, 8 says, you shall receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and ye shall be witnesses to me. So power is essential. And I think this kind of gives us great comfort in our witnessing here this morning. I can be in my preaching, in my witnessing, I can, I can feel weak, I can feel like I failed. But God has a way through the power of the Holy Spirit to take perhaps some word I said, to take scripture and to use that in a great way to minister to these people, to speak to them. It is his spirit anointed word and his word doesn't return void. We had the promise of his power. Last year, our um, team in Spain, we went to the island of Malta. I don't know if anybody here has been to Malta. Anybody been? Okay. I don't know if anybody else has been there. But every three years, our, as ABW missionaries, Western Europe missionaries, we're required to um, do training. So, so th- or t- this year, we always, we always go to a place, and, and then last year, it was, it was on Malta's turn. So we went there as all you know, Western Europe missionaries. During, we, we always go during the week of Thanksgiving. And during the days, they had the preaching and teaching and, and training. And then on Thursday, they gave us like the afternoon free. So we had like four hours of free time. So we thought, what, what can we do? Our, team, our Spain team thought, so we decided, let's rent a, rent a ferry and let, let's go to, across to, to the island, um, one of these islands in Malta where, where Paul was said to be shipwrecked. So we, we as a team, we went there, went to this island, we walked around the island and we were able to participate in something that was pretty cool. Be able to walk around here imagining what Paul must have thought, the view that Paul, Paul must have had. And it was cool to experience in this wonderful thing, just to be able to participate in that. But as great as that experience was in participating in something that Paul did, we have something greater as believers here this morning. We get to participate in his plan. We get to participate and we get to be witnesses. And not only should we be be passionate about the promise of God's power, but secondly, we should be passionate about the chance to participate in his plan. When the kingdom comes should not have been the chief concern of the disciples, but what they were to do in the meantime was. As Christians, it's easy to grow comfortable inside of our gated communities when we have a lost and dying world around us that needs to hear the good news. Someone once said that the, church, the gospel isn't something we come to church to hear. It's something we go from church to tell. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing? When was the last time we shared 
his good news. We get to be able to participate with the, the king and the creator of the universe. What higher calling can there be? Look, in, look, look what his plan is in verse 8. It says, verse 8 says, and ye shall be witnesses unto me. Our English, English word martyr <clears throat> comes from the Greek word translated witness. And many of God's people <clears throat> have sealed their, their lives, their fate, through witnessing. Have you ever been in a court case here this morning? Anybody ever been a witness in a court case? A couple of you have. Okay. What did they ask you? What did you see and what did you hear? That's about it they care about, isn't it? They, the disciples were to be witnesses for Jesus. And a witness is simply someone that tells what they have seen and heard. And the word witness is a key term in this whole book. And as those who experienced Jesus, they lived with him, his disciples. They ate with him. They learned from him. <clears throat> they saw him placed on the cross. They saw him crucified. They saw him taken down. They saw him placed in a tomb and they saw him rise again. Who greater than them could be a witness of this fact? Because of what they experienced, they were to be great witnesses. I'm going to ask you here this morning, if you're here this morning and you know Jesus Christ is your personal Savior, you have something great as well that you can share. And that is the change that's taken place in your life of salvation. All of us here this morning, as we have a <clears throat> chance to witness, we can simply, we, we all have a testimony. What, what has God done to, in your life? What change took place? And our testimony is simply telling people what God has done, who we were, and what God has done in our lives in that change. And no one can take that away from me this morning. No one can say, hey, that didn't happen to you. I want to challenge you <clears throat> to share that change that has taken place. Share that good news with those around you. Mark 16, 15 says, and he said unto them, go ye into all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. That was his plan back then, and that's still his plan today. It hasn't changed. God's heart beats for all mankind, and I'll challenge you this morning, so should yours, so should mine. Not only should we be passionate about Not only should we be passionate about the promise of his power, the chance to participate in his plan, but lastly, the need to be burdened about the places he wants us to proclaim his message. About, that's better, about probably about 10 years ago, our, some of our ABW missionaries were going to go to um, meet with a group called Decision in Madrid. And we were going to ask them, you know, 
where, where are some possible places that we could plant a new church? Because the Citizens Responsibility, or what they did basically was to study Spain, look at a map, and look for places that had churches and places that didn't. And so we went there and talked to a fellow named John Blake, and we asked him, John, hey, hey, this is where our ABW works are, but where could we go in the future and plant a new church? So he suggested a bunch of areas, but he said, there's one place in southeast Madrid that has about seven towns that have no gospel preaching witness. So as you hear this, over 70,000, 100,000 people that have no opportunity to hear the gospel, and it burdened and broke our hearts to hear that, hear that story. So as we left there, burdened for this, this area, we went back to our ministries and discontinued to plant churches, but always keeping that and pondering on that possibility in the future that that could be our place of proclamation. So as we went back to our work within this several months, God kind of rocked our world. So they passed a law saying you couldn't plant a church within a half of a kilometer of another church, which made it impossible for us to continue our our um, church plant, because right in the center, pretty much every town, town there was a Catholic church. So we couldn't continue in our, in our ministry of church planting there. So we thought, God, what are we going to do? And then we remembered of these seven towns that had this great need. So we moved. We moved to that town, and this was probably eight years ago now, and that is where we are presently, and that is where we start our church plant. That is the place that God has given us to proclaim his good news. Now, I want to ask this here this morning. Do your hearts melt when you hear of the needs around you? Do they melt? Matthew 28 says that we're to teach all nations. What places has God given you here this morning to proclaim the message? Notice the words of Matthew 20. It says, all nations, it's a global task. God wants us to reach all the world, and it takes the church to do that. We as missionaries, we can't accomplish that. It takes all of us, all of the churches, to do this. And here in Acts 1, 8, 1, verse 8 says, And ye shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to, into the uttermost part of the earth. How are we doing this morning with this task? How are we doing? How are we doing here in Milford? As a kid, I used to like to go to a, um, it'd be a pond. If you know anything about a, a pond or a creek, that's, you think of a still water. And I used to like to bend down pick up a pebble, and just toss it in. Perhaps you did that as a kid. Perhaps you do that now. What happens when you pick up a stone pebble and toss it into a steel pond of water? What takes place? What's it called? A ripple effect, isn't it? It hits in the center and just spreads. That should be what takes place with our witnessing. We need to start at home... And then it should spread to a lost and dying world around us. First here in Milford, and then we need to reach out to other places. How are we doing this morning? How are we doing in our neighborhoods? How are we doing here in Milford? How are we doing? How are we doing in our workplaces? 
Young people, how are we doing in our schools, in our universities? How are we doing? No matter where we live as Christians, we should begin at home, and it needs to extend to all the world. Dr. Oswald J. Smith used to say this, as the light that shines the farthest will shine the brightest at home. So where's our light shining? Is your light shining at all? In conclusion, how do we put all this together? Perhaps you're here this morning and God's been working your heart for some time. And you know it. Perhaps there's someone here this morning, God's been just gently knocking on your heart. Said, I, I want you to serve me, perhaps even as a missionary. Perhaps that's you here this morning. God's been slowly saying, hey, I, I want you to serve me. Are you willing to go? Perhaps you're here this morning, and that's you. I want to challenge you and encourage you. Talk, talk to Pastor Brandon. Tell him, hey, God's working in my heart, and I think he wants, wants me to be a missionary. What's my next step? What do I need to do? Go talk to him. Perhaps you're here this morning. Perhaps God doesn't want you to be a missionary overseas, but you've been, you've been burdened, but but perhaps God wants you to get more involved with what they're doing here. Once again, t- talk to pastor. Say, hey, God's working my hearts. Well, what are we doing here at Milford Bible in the area of missions? How can I greater serve? Maybe you're on the missions committee. You can even talk to the missions committee. What, what's going on? How can I better pray? How can I better serve? How can I perhaps even go and help? What does God want you to do? In this passage here, it talks about the Jesus' ascension. And as Jesus, after he rose again, he um, went back to, to heaven, and he told them, in the same like manner that he left, he's going to return. And if you can imagine being there and seeing Jesus, how much this must have motivated them to carry out the Great Commission. If you see Jesus leaving, giving this promise, that must, that must have made them super passionate. And to, to accomplish the Great Commission, they, this is probably what they needed to, to force them, to motivate them, give them their why, why they need to get out and share the good news. You know what I hear this morning? Jesus' return is in, intimate. We don't know when he's going to return. And he still has not come back. And that truth should motivate you here this morning to get out and share the good news. We need to be passionate about the promise of his power. We have the power. The Holy Spirit dwells us if you know Christ your Savior. We need to be passionate about that. We need to be passionate about being able to participate in his plan. And last, we need to be passionate about the places of proclamation that he has for you. Where does Jesus want you to share the good news? Let's pray. Dear Heavenly Father, we are thankful for your word. I thank you for this precious church, Lord, for these people, Lord, for how they've 
partnered with us, held us up, prayed for us, sacrificed giving to allow us the privilege of, of serving you in Spain. And I pray, Lord, that, that, that you'll give them great wisdom in the days ahead as they are making decisions, Lord, about, about many facets of this area. Give them wisdom as they navigate through this, the virus problem, Lord. I pray that you'll protect these people, put a hedge of protection around, around them. And, and even in the midst of this, as I know, no, you weren't surprised that you will use this church to be salt and light in this community. Increase their faith, increase their, their witnessing, Lord, and help, help them to one day look back and, and say how great you are and, what, and look, look at all these things you've done. Father, we love you because you first loved us. In Jesus' name I pray, amen.